Welcome back. Welcome back. To Pop Opinion. Pop Opinion. Episode. I want to say 46. That's right. You don't have a whiteboard to, to look at now. We are recording at the cottage. The origins of this podcast. I know. I was thinking that. I was like deja vu from last summer. When we didn't have a name for it. I know. That was weird when I listened back. I was like, what's wrong with us? Oh, because we wanted to start it, but then we didn't want to pick a name. We wanted other people to pick the name. Yeah. Then we ended up basically just picking our name. Yes, we did. Because we voted on our own poll. I know we did. I think there was like four people voted. We were two of them. <laughs> no, I think there were six. Four people besides us. Yeah. And we both picked the same one and it won. So we just were like, okay. Hey, so we both thought the same <laughs> thing. Why did we even put it up? Because that's the one we were picking anyway. Yeah. I yeah. thought it's just more interactive, I guess. Yes. Uh, Case, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I Like we said, we're at the cottage. I've got a stack of books. I've got wine, apparently, that I consumed too much of last night. Uh, so no, I'm, I'm good. I'm no complaints, really. And you, Jack? I'm doing really good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the NBA Finals, which I wanted to bring in a pop quiz after the Toy Story pop quiz. Oh, fun. Okay. Wh- who is playing in the NBA Finals? Oh, I'm going to say Miami, Wawa, Milwaukee. No, Cleveland. You gotta, I'm gonna, I'll tell you that one of those was right for one of the nice. teams. Nice. Okay. So you got to pick between those three. Okay. I'm going to go with Miami. No. Cleveland. No. Milwaukee. Yes. Okay. Milwaukee. Do you know what their nickname is? Milwaukee Brewers. Baseball team. Milwaukee Cavaliers. That's Cleveland. Okay. It's like a deer. Oh. Um, I don't know. The Bucks. Oh, I never would have got that. That's okay. It uh, wasn't even in my realm. How about how about the other team? So I'm gonna go with LA San Francisco. Where is West Coast? Go okay, go okay. a little more east. Like, it's just slightly more... E- Actually, it might even be just more south. LA Clippers. No, they they LA did play in the conference, the semifinals. No, nope, they lost in the first round. They both lost to the team that is playing. Oh, fun. Um, one of the players is dating Kendall Jenner. Oh, that's Devin. Yep. That's, yeah. De- Devin. Devin's he, team is playing. He hates being called Devin. Oh, why? Uh, I don't know. It's just this weird thing. They either call him Book... Brooke- Book, book or D book. Oh. Phoenix D-book. Suns. Phoenix. Never would have got that. It's okay. Phoenix Suns. So Milwaukee Phoenix. So that's fun. I'm I'm also having a lot of fun. This is like day three of the cottage. It feels about like day fifteen, but it really does. We were saying I was talking to your girlfriend about that too. We were like, I feel like we've been here like a week. But it's not, not a, a bad not thing, in no. a bad way. Just like a like a few days ago was like forty something degrees here. We we're in the water every fifteen minutes. It was so hot. Today's freezing and rainy, and so, yeah, I don't know. It just feels really long, too. I feel the same way. Not in a bad way, just in a wow. It feels like we've been here a really long time. Mm-hmm. But we did manage to... Well, you watched the movies before we got here. Yeah, I did, because I'm organized. Because you're... Mm, organized or nerd? Let's, let's oh, we'll do okay. that do that poll. <laughs> I think I'm going to... Well, I mean, I started the poll, so I'm going to vote nerd, but okay. you're definitely more organized than I am. I like to be prepared. Yes, that's... And I, I like... Doing you also things on have, a whim. Yeah, you also have another podcast. Like you have, like, I mean, I know I have one with Meg. We haven't done it in months, though. But you have one that you do like twice a week. So sports. So like it's, you know, I only have this now. Like besides my books that I want to read, I only have like the podcast to focus. Yeah. yeah. And I, I still I have school. Yeah. I have a class. Yeah. <laughs> really busy. It's super busy. Uh, so we have, we're going to do Top 100 Movie Challenge, Hachi, A Dog's Tale, and 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think we could just say off the bat, maybe not our best week of movies. Uh, I didn't mind Hachi. I just, it really, well, do you want to start with that one or? Uh, yeah, we'll also do, uh, we have I Am Deep Dives and uh, we'll talk about Loki Episode 4, which I'll say now, I'll put it everywhere. Spoilers, 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 because there's, I want to talk about this. Because there's no way to not... T- like we can't talk about it unless we talk about what happened like it's yeah, going to be spoilers it's very it was a very spoilery the show has taken as one and two was pretty much the same three was a jump four was a leap oh uh, yeah yeah for sure i agree so we've really we've really taken off with that uh so yeah let's start with hachi a dog's tale 2009 directed by lassie hallstrom uh tells the story of a professor and an abandoned dog uh forming an unbreakable bond friendship yeah 
and so the professor's played by Richard Gere. And so he brings this, he finds the dog at the train station coming back from work and he keeps the dog and his wife, she's kind of a bitch about it. Actually, I got to say, I'm sorry, but she was like, what is your problem? Like, she was just like, she was just so nasty about it. Like, why do you, why do you want this dog? And I think it's also because once they bring the daughter into it and they bring up Luke, which is just, they just keep saying Luke. I imagine it was an old dog, which is probably why the wife wouldn't have wanted another dog. Because when you get a dog, you are signing up for heartbreak, but it's just, especially in this movie it shows just how happy and loving every like an animal like that can be yeah and i think it's of course it's devastating because you love them and i get it i mean we have a dog i can't even imagine her not with us but it you have to try and focus on like everything they brought you right like yeah it's heartbreak but like they bring you so much joy too so so a spoiler just in case anybody's gonna watch it but Richard Gere dies. Okay. So, and this dog knows it. Like he's about to get on the train and the dog is like freaking out because the dog goes to the train with him every day. He's there to meet him after work every day. Like he just, they're obsessed with each other. This, right. And so he, like when he's trying to get on the train, the dog is like really acting funny, gets on the train and, uh, ends up having a heart attack at work. And then the dog, this is, this is the part that like absolutely ripped my soul out was the dog went every single day for nine years to the train station at five o'clock and waited there. They couldn't even keep him like the wife, the wife didn't want him. Like I said, she was a bitch. So, but the sister took it or sorry, the daughter and her husband took the dog, but Mm -hmm. the dog kept running away and wanting to go to the train station. So she just let him go. Like she was just like, I like go whatever so he just kind of lived on his own he was kind of like a hobo dog and people fed him and he lived in the train station kind of thing like under a train and but every day he would stand there at five o'clock and wait for his master to come home and it was devastating to watch because he just he just left him and it was really sad like we thought it was gonna be the other way around the dog was gonna die sad you know yeah so there was a little reversal and the great thing, not great thing, but the thing about this movie is it's based on a true story. This actually happened in the 1920s or thirties in Japan. Yeah. 1923. I think it was a professor got the dog by 1925. They'd passed away and the dog went every day from 1925 to, I think it was March 34? of 1934. Yeah. 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 So, and now they have a statue at the train station of this dog. Hachiko. And, yeah. So it was um it was nice that it was like a true story it added it added even more of an element of just devastation and just watching this poor sad little dog um and it was just a reminder like we just don't deserve them we don't deserve dogs they're no. right they're just they're really incredible and also reminded me that any dog movie it's going to rip my soul out so I started thinking of them and I was like art of racing in the rain devastating um a dog's purpose, Marley and me. Like I started thinking of all these, anything, anytime you throw a dog in, it's like, it's a different level Yeah. of like it's a different heartbreak. emotion. Whew. Yeah. I had a hard time with that one. I was like sobbing. Isn't even the right word. Like I was like, in, yeah, just killed my soul. This poor little dog's face waiting for his master. And they kept saying, he's not coming home. He's not coming home. I'm like, he doesn't care. No, but it is cool how the community kind of rallies around Hachi and like, Every day people are getting off the train like, hey, how she has like just like talking to him, make him feel part of it. The hot dog vendor, Jason Alexander plays like the conductor or that works at the train station, train station. Like they just kind of all they all use Hachi as like the way to remember. Yeah. Professor, I don't remember Professor, whatever his name was. Professor Richard Gere. (laughs) (laughs) I thought for a second, I thought you were actually saying I'm like, wait, did they make his name Richard Gere? No, that would have been a little too on the nose. Um, Yeah. The beginning of this movie and I wanted to know what you thought of this storytelling technique so it's not directly dropping you into the story the beginning is it's a school presentation and uh the grandson or great-grandson I think no, it's it grandson grandson was telling basically telling the class a story about who his hero is yes did yes. you like their way of kind of bookending it both ways I did because I feel like it added an element of you know like it's just it kind of took you on a journey of like oh this is how the story's gonna go and it's really not um I thought it just added an an element that was kind of cool as opposed to just telling a story like you know 
Thank yeah, I did. I liked it. Did you or? Uh, no, I did. I I did. I just I wanted to bring it up, but I also thought it was hilarious. I'm pretty sure it's like the very first girl. Her hero was Christopher Columbus. Yes. Which ooh, that was a bad call. I was. I, I that honest, did not age well. <laughs> no, that was an unintentional comedy moment. Yeah. Where she's talking about oh, he's such a great guy. And I know it's history. a little awkward. It's like oh, maybe maybe not. Like talking about him as what he was is one thing but just like saying he's a hero yeah even if you wanted to ignore all the terrible things he did i don't know if hero is the right word of just um, being like ah this isn't india ah we're yeah this is we're just gonna call you that anyways right it's india yeah yeah for sure um a few a few comedy i guess the cat there's a cat that just smacks hachi yeah. like when he's like a puppy yeah what like it I just it, it just didn't feel like it really fit this movie yeah to make no. that the comedy moment um smart ass dog just yeah. finds different <laughs> ways to escape opens doors doesn't fetch but like figures out how to open fences and always get to the train station yeah at that time as soon as he would hear the train or he'd hear something and he knew to go running but that's like the same as our our dog like she knows when i'm coming home from work you know, and she knows when everyone, she knows everyone's schedule somehow. Like she's got some internal clock, right? That, so. Mm-hmm. The like camera movements also, how they just kind of use one shot. And I do love how they, from Hachi's perspective, they then take away the color. Right. As I, that whatever. was a really, that was a really um, good choice because the dogs don't see in color. They only see in black and white. So if it was coming from his point of view, it, everything was in black and white. So I thought that was a really cool choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also amazing. In like, while Hachi's pretty much a puppy, um, again, it, it is a part of the wife dynamic of like, she doesn't want him. So he puts puts the dog downstairs, puts on the TV, and it's Braves Yankees World Series. So right. it helped me figure out what year it was. And then right. he's just like, all right, I'm going to go to bed now and you're going to stay here. And then he kind of looks and he's like, Oh, oh, the game's on. And it's just such a man. Like, and then he lays down and then him and the dog are sharing popcorn. Yeah. And he fall, they fall asleep together. I know. It is a moment. The wife's redeemable. Redeems herself? Yeah. Her redemption moment. Okay. Is uh, someone calls her about the dog and then she just goes, oh, he's been taken. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because it's his dog. Yes. Because they were looking outside and everyone's playing with the dog because... You know, they were supposed to get rid of it. And then somebody calls and she looks out and she's like, okay, no, the dog's taken. Yeah, I guess she was fine. I just don't know why she like dug her heels so much from the beginning. Like, who cares? Have the dog. Like, I also love the whole meaning of Hachi or Hachiko. It's um, the eight, meaning he was most likely the eighth born of that litter. And eight is a big symbol because it reaches heaven. Okay. Which I didn't think about it until they said it and I had to draw an eight and I'm like, oh yeah, like it reaches heaven and comes back. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a balanced number too, right? Mm. So, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I, yeah, yeah, just not the Marley and me I expected. No, definitely not. And it was a bit of a slower movie. Like not a lot happens. It is, it's definitely a, you know, it's a, it's a slow, it's a slow moving movie, but you kind of get, yeah, you get kind of into the rhythm of it. Man, I also wrote down that this kid's going to waste the entire class telling this story. Right. Because I just thought of it in real time that this kid just took like an hour and a half to tell this story. Right. Yeah. It's going to be lunchtime or something. Yeah, maybe that's his goal. I know, but he made all the kids cry. Yeah. At the end, they were all crying. It's a beautiful story. It is a beautiful story. I think another beautiful story is 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie, okay? Like I didn't watch the whole thing. I couldn't do it. Like I'm not I'm not artsy or or smart enough for this kind of movie. Like I'm just not. And that's okay. That's okay because I have other qualities that bring me whatever. But this movie was not my favorite. And that's okay. 1968 directed by Stanley Kubrick who is kind of known for making sort of out there movies yes and that's totally fair whatever but when I, I okay so this is my positive of the movie is the music is incredible and that's I didn't know where um like a lot of you you would know every song and I didn't know that this popular music came from this movie so I was very like wow that's cool because the music is used a lot like even nowadays right so that's great my problem is it's like you know, the first 25 minutes is like primates just 
like playing and hanging out and like survival and whatever. And I, and I get the purpose of it. Like I understand we're supposed to be saying like, this is like how people evolve and, and it's showing us how monkeys evolve and how they survive in their pack. And like, I understood what they were trying to do. I just don't need 25 minutes of it. Like I was like, no, no, thank you. No. Yeah. I, so I don't have a lot of notes except like I, I had to watch something on YouTube to kind of try and like just explain it to me mm-hmm. because I didn't have the patience to sit through the entire movie. Which I've seen that opening sequence I actually watched in a class in high school. Just the, we didn't watch the whole movie, just the opening scene. And yeah, you're getting 25, 30 minutes without any dialogue. And it's just using the music and the, the like development going on in front of you. Yeah. And, and you can tell it's 1968. It's not, you know, it, it's not, um, like, what would you say? Like, you could tell they weren't real monkeys. <laughs> like yeah. they were, you know, like, yeah. The And then when they were in like spaceships and then they have like the moon there, like it, it's not, it's, I don't think it's held up well, I think, right. With CGI nowadays. Um, it's definitely not as good as it is now, but I think it's always going to be looked back as a revolutionary movie for CGI for sure. special effects. For sure. Because it was in 1968. Right. I mean, and you could theoretically look at this and, you could guess anywhere from 1968 to I would say the late 90s that it would kind of look like the same movie. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I just like I always compare things to Star Wars because that was in the 70s, and I'm like, that still holds up though for me. Like when I watch it, it still holds up. Like it doesn't look whatever bad mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm not saying it looked bad. Uh, so it follows a trip to Jupiter with Hal, a computer that has a human personality, um, and a human group that discovers an alien. monolith which is uh, machines built by an unseen extraterrestrial species uh, that encourages space travel and technological advances my god i almost fell asleep just in that (laughs) i'm just kidding it is it's the only way i could explain it without being extra boring yeah yeah It, it just encourages development pretty much yeah and survival and yeah be like i get the point of the movie i just it's it wasn't for me no to me it looked incredible but it is very slow yeah um what else oh so kubrick worked with an author arthur c clark uh who wrote a series similar to this they developed it together this is also after and i wanted to know did have you ever seen dr strange love uh, no, I haven't. So that's another Stanley Kubrick, and that's what he he started working on this after that came out, and it's kind of like an not necessarily apocalypse, but it is a comedy, but it's also about like uh, I was about to say tornadoes, not even torpedoes, but uh, like nuclear war. Oh, okay, right, right, right. So very weird, weird mm-hmm. stuff. Kind of what he's always done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in the Oscars, I did want to mention they were nominated for best director, best screenplay at at the time it was written weird. It was like best screenplay for like adapted for film. Oh, okay. So I think what that means is if it's adapted, that means it was either a book or a play or it was something beforehand and then they adapted it right for a movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and also nominated for art direction. But that I can see. I can totally... I don't know how it wouldn't win for music, too. The music's incredible, so... Is art direction still an award? I feel like maybe it's a part of the, like, before... Like, not the main event Oscars. Yeah, yeah. The creative ones that they do, like, the night before or the week before or something, right? Yeah. And it also won for special effects. Yeah, I can totally see that. I wouldn't. I can't imagine in 1968 anyone's got anything close to that. So I can totally appreciate that for sure. And also, the very end of this movie is definitely dealing dealing with existentialism, and it's kind of almost not a precursor to Interstellar, but it has similar traits. Okay. I would say, yeah, like the space travel kind of deal, and um, it's dealing with human evolution and technology and artificial intelligence because. Especially, I mean, 1968, even to now, there's a worry about developing technology and developing artificial intelligence. Is it going to become, uh, not like replacing us, but is it going to gain a mind of its own? Yes. Yeah. And That's then, always been a concern. They've done that multiple times in movies, right? And also extraterrestrial life, which if there are people out there that don't believe in that, I'm, I'm not here to be mean. But I mean, I feel like we'd have to be cocky to think we're the only ones. Right. 
What are we, like the America of the universe? My God. That's probably how they see us, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to go to I'm Deep Dive or Loki? Uh, let's go Loki. All right. Loki episode four. This is really where shit hits the fan. Um, I left it to you to kind of take us through the story, and then I have my own points okay. to throw in there. Yeah, because I wrote them kind of in order so again very very we are going to say everything that happened in this episode so if you have not watched it you need to like skip ahead to the, our deep dive um okay so it starts off on asgard a uh, little girl's playing and then the time people come in and take her mm-hmm. then this is back when uh i think it's ramona the whoever the judge is now that mobius works with directly yeah. she was still a guard yeah she was or one of yeah one of the people like she was a 22 i think was like her right number yeah it might have been someone else none of them have names they're all whatever um so then mobius and ramona so we see that scene and then you know the credits or whatever low-key goes and then the next scene is mobius and ramona are talking and he's like can i talk to c20 the, the girl from the previous episode who um, the the guard or whatever right um, so can I talk to her or whatever and so there's kind of a battle back and forth and Ramona's like she's dead so he was just like why she was fine whatever and she's just like you know whatever um, so then we then they cut to Sylvia and Loki are on the oh my god where Lant where were they again uh, Lar Lamantis, Lamantis, something. Wouldn't you have had it in? Oh, the previous. Yeah, I just don't want to start shuffling through my thing. But yeah, so they're sitting where where we had left them off from the from the last episode. They're sitting there and they're just have accepted that they're going to die. But they have this quite quite a like a conversation together where Sylvie starts explaining like what had happened to her and like how she was on Asgard and taken and so kind of explaining like you know they've taken my whole life and and whatnot. And then what I found interesting in this part um, was Loki says, because um, she says something like, uh, you know, I-, I can't remember what she said, but his comment back to her was like, what are you talking about? You know, you are smart. You almost took the, down the organization that claims to govern the order of time. But I like the word claims because it's like, I felt like that was a bit of an Easter egg because they claim to, but like he didn't say that that do govern do you know what i mean it was they claim to govern yeah so i found that quite interesting you okay over there yeah i'm really fidgety (laughs) yeah you are um so and then uh mobius figures it out where they are because he's trying to figure out where they are and he figures it out they show up like literally in the neck of time if they're about to die and so they show up and they get them back so they end up back at the at the tva and um, and then they get separated. Mobius obviously has Loki, and he puts Loki in this like time loop with Sip. Is it Sip? Uh, Sif, Lady Sip, who yeah. we haven't seen since uh, Thor: The Dark World. So yeah. it was it was cool to see her back. And that was one of those moments where he's in this time loop of he cut off her hair and she kicks him in the balls and is this whole or, um, yeah like, smacks him in the face and yeah he tries to negotiate and he's stuck in this time loop which made me think of the end of dr strange with dr strange and dormammu because he keeps saying dormammu have come to bargain and he puts this on repeat until eventually dormammu gives up and uh decides to leave leave it be i guess yeah. not take over everything right right yeah um so yeah so time loop so then he's like finally like Loki's like okay I'll talk to you and they have a conversation and they're both kind of tricking each other like Mobius is like you know the the Loki's dead and he's like it's Sylvie and then through their conversation Mobius really starts to understand that Loki is quite attached to her and He's like, oh, you like her. And they have such good uh, banter, I yeah. find. Like, I really, really like their banter. Um, and Loki's trying to tell Mobius, like, this isn't real. Like, you were brought here. Like, you weren't born here. Like, you were brought here. You were kidnapped from your from your home and stuff. Like, you had a life. Like, you were happy. Like, whatever. And Mobius is... He's not quite there, but you can tell he's entertaining the thought because he's like, what am I going to believe? Like a bunch of Lokis, like, you yeah. know, the tricksters. Um, 
Then B15, so she is a guard, and Sylvie, they take she takes Sylvie and they go back to where that supermarket was. I think it was called like Rock Smart or something. And um, so they go to, and then she tries because she needs to get away from the TVA. So they go to this place and they're like, okay, um, the B B fifteen is like, you know, are are you telling me the truth? And she's like, yes, I can't make up memories. I can't make them up. I can only give you what you already have in you. And so she holds her hand and she gets to, we don't get to see it, but she gets to see what her life was. And yeah, it was an interesting stylistic choice to was. just see our, to just see her reaction to saying like, Oh, I was happy. And yeah. she saw the life that she had. And I thought usually in a moment like that, they would show us and maybe it could just be, they didn't want to, it was as simple as that, or like they didn't have the resources to do it at that time. Yeah. yeah. But it did kind of work for that moment because it wasn't very long. No, no, no. It was just enough that she then believes her, right? B-15 finally is like, okay, you're telling the truth. Um, And then Mobius is now starting to believe Loki as well. Like he's starting to kind of to get on that that board. So he goes and he gets Loki out of the, the time loop. And he's like, you know, right before they leave into the time loop, he's like, like I think we gotta we gotta take this down, or we you know you can tell he's I think on his side. I think they're in the time loop, as yeah. you're saying, and they're coming back, they're and coming that's back. when they've had this negotiation. Yeah, and he's like, I can't believe I'm gonna bring believe two Lokis, and he was like, How about you believe a friend? So they've they've definitely bonded, and now you know he, I think they're both uh, trusting of each other, and so they get back into the TVA, and she's standing there because uh, Mobius, once he's discovered these suspicions, and he knows it's. I feel like we keep saying Ramona. I'm pretty sure it is, right? I hope so. Um, but he steals her uh, uh, temp pad. Yeah, steals is. her temp pad to see the past, and he looks at this uh, interrog. Uh, not even interrogation, well, but yeah, it was kind or, of like a debrief. Yes. Of. Uh, whatever C20 C20 and you see that she's saying it's real and you start to see what she's talking about and they just shut it down it's like this is over we're not doing this and then it's Ramona's face as she's like turning it off so then Mobius is like oh my god it's true yeah so then he goes to get Loki saying like okay we got to figure something out and as they come back Ramona's standing there with her guards and they Okay, spoiler, just yeah, in case. Throw it out there. If you've listened to all of this and you still are don't you still don't want spoilers, this is going to get extra spoilery. Right now cuz the last 5 minutes were crazy. So they prune Mobius, which yeah. is basically what do you what would you say it is? Like kill him but like like, like disintegrate disintegrate him. Yeah, that's a good way. So they have this like wand thing and they disintegrate him and Loki is so upset. Like his face is just. Uh, I looked it up. Ravona. Oh, Ravona. Sorry, everybody. Um, She's bad. And did I call it? You did. Okay. I just want. You didn't mention it every episode, but. (laughs) I just knew she was going to be bad. You can just tell. But Loki and Mobius had done this, has gotten this bond to the point where they could call themselves friends. Yeah. And they just immediately rip our hearts out. Yeah. It was really sad. I don't believe he's really gone. No, no, I think, and again, we'll talk about even what happens. The post credit scene shows us that pruning doesn't necessarily mean killing. Yeah, maybe it's just they have to go somewhere. We're not we're not sure yet. Um, and then Loki and Sylvia are taken to the Timekeepers. There's a great fight scene. And, well, sorry, the reason there's a fight scene um, is because the B-15 shows up gives takes off their collars and gives them weapons so then they can fight and it's a great fight scene like it's a really well done and sylvie throws one of the the things at one of the timekeepers neck and they realize it's just um animatronic robots yeah it's not even they're not real people so there's three of them and they're not even real. So she gets so upset because she's like, what? I was fighting all of this time for nothing. And it's these animatronics. And clearly it's something being controlled behind them. It's, if I'm going to throw my theory out there, it's a lot of people's theories. I wouldn't claim it completely as my own. But Kang the Conqueror is someone who's already been confirmed to be the villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp. The next mm-hmm. movie, Quantumanium. And we're talking about the quantum realm, possibly. Definitely the multiverse in this show. So I, that's 
if I'm going to pick right now who I think would be behind this and I think would be a reveal, not even in this next next episode, I think it'd be the last episode to kind of be the next big bad for the MCU. Right, right. Yeah. So they have this whole conversation of like who created the TVA then? Like what is this? Like, you know, they're trying to figure it out and they're standing there talking to each other. And then go ahead, Jack. I can't. Uh they're having this conversation. They think they've taken everyone down that's in this room. And just as they're both freaking out, Loki's calming Sylvie down. Like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to do it together. I think they were going to kiss. Probably. I mean, it's probably it the most... kind of awkward. But kind of the most Loki thing to do, though, is kiss yourself. Right. <laughs> no. And Loki gets pruned. And it's even in a slower, more painful way than Mobius is. We've seen this development of a character for so long. And this is also theoretically the fourth time... We've seen Loki die. Yes. And for me, it's gotten the first one, the first two really weren't that. It was okay. Like he's he's just playing tricks. Yeah, yeah. The first time, actually, I should say, the first time I thought it was he was gone. And then the second time it's like, oh, but he's done this before. Right. The third time mm-hmm. that was, yeah. you thought it was the end. Yeah. And obviously they bring the show back and you see it happen again and you think, okay, so now this is going to be Sylvie's show. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But then we get... Because it kind of ends there, right? Like, he gets pruned. And then uh, Sylvie takes Ravona, and they're going in some other location where we don't find out the show ends before we could find out where they're going. And Well, and Ravona's like, go ahead, do it. Like, because she's going to prune her. And she's like, no, you're going to tell me everything. And then it kind of ends. Yeah, right? so they're going to some location. She's going to figure out everything. And when we think it's the end of our Loki story, it's not. Right. He slowly wakes up and he's kind of, he's confused. Someone's talking to him. It's an off screen. Like, am I dead? And they're like, no, but you will be if you don't come with us. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, us? Who's us? Who's us? Yeah. And it, it does take a minute. But if you look around and it's clearly a dystopian New York that's been destroyed. And uh, you can see the Avengers Tower in the background. And you look up, and it's three variants yes, of Loki. Of Loki, yeah. So in the far right, you get Richard E. Grant. Yes. Who's the 1960s comics version. You get Kid Loki. Mm-hmm. There's, I guess you just call him Black Loki. Yeah. Because he has like a makeshift hammer. Yep. And then there's Kid Loki, which a lot of people have had their theory. And then there's a... Like an alligator? Alligator, Cro- crocodile, crocodile, lizard of some kind, some reptilian yes. that also looks like a Loki. Sitting on his lap, on the kid's lap, yeah. So it, it clearly is opening the door to the multiverse. Obviously, we're going to have that Doctor Strange movie. I'm sure the Spider-Man movie is going to deal with it. But having actual confirmed variants outside of just different Lokis. Yes. These are stylistically completely different Lokis. And... To me, it opened up thinking about the next Spider-Man movie and how they haven't. This movie comes out in December, and we haven't really seen anything about it. I think they're waiting for this Loki show to end because, I mean, it is just very much a theory. And Andrew Garfield has said he's not in the next movie, and I don't think Tobey Maguire has said anything about it. But I think Marvel would keep that a secret. One hundred percent. They're not going to give away. They're not going to give away that kind of stuff because they want people to have a reaction. They don't even put it on the on their IMDb because when Julia Louis Dreyfus was on Ca- uh, Winter Soldier, I was um, I tried to look it up to see, and it wasn't even on there until the show was done, and then it was added in. So they keep that down. They keep that locked locked down. That is a lockdown secret, which is better, I guess. I don't know. Um, uh, what else so yeah opening the multiverse i also wanted to shout out uh she loves marvel on tiktok who said in these six episodes they all represent a different infinity stone oh okay so the two that we have left are the time stone and the space stone mm. which i imagine this one would be the space stone this next one coming up right right because time will probably be the last one when we wrap it up mm-hmm. i can't believe it's only six episodes too yeah each, each marvel show they've gotten shorter i know but it's so annoying it's just it is closer to what WandaVision was, but it's still so different, so unique, so mm-hmm. unique looking. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see what the variant Loki's and what Sylvia and Ravona are doing. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited, so we get to see it. Which And Black Widow comes out. I know. We're not sure how we're gonna watch it. I think we can figure it out. Yeah. Here? Yeah, I'm more committed to watching it here now. Yes. 
I like it. Thank goodness. I mean, I we figured out the projector, so. Yeah, we just have to watch it later, right? So it's dark. Whoa. Late at Late. night. Late I mean, you were up watching the hockey game. That was like 11 o'clock. I know. I'm tired today, though. I'm paying for it today. <laughs> Nothing to do with the bottles of wine I drank. No. Nope. That sounds like a good time to go into our I'm Deep Dive. Yes. Do you want to go first or me? Uh, You can go first because mine, mine's pretty long. Just the amount of credits are pretty oh, long. Okay. Wow. Um, okay, I'm not going to tell you who it is. Well, you know who it is. Yeah. I'm saying I'm going to just have a little spiel. Okay. So I think that this is one of the most underrated actresses in Hollywood. I think there is like nothing she can't do. I think with comedy, with uh, she does comedy, she does like dark comedy. She can be a best friend. She can be a wife. She can be a witch. She can be a bad mom. She can do drama. Um, and I think it just like, it doesn't matter if she's in like two scenes or like a whole movie. She brings for me anyway, this like, like realness. And I find her, I know I use the word captivating a lot on this podcast, but she's got this captivating like energy to the screen. And Paul Rudd, who has worked with this actress six times has said, not only is she the best person for the part, but also the best person on set. So my person who, again, is I feel is very underrated, is Katherine Hahn. And if you don't know who she is, that's really silly. Um, you will know once I say, start saying like what she has won or what she's been in. So we first see Katherine Hahn in 2003 and she's in the movie, how to lose a guy in 10 days. She plays Kate Hudson's best friend, literally where I see her for the first time. Cause well, it is basically her, it is her first movie. Um, and she is, there's just something about her right away. I'm like, who is this? Like I had to look her up. Like I was like, who is this? I really was quite intrigued by her. Um, and then she does this great between 2004 and 2000 and 2010. She does kind of a whole like, I don't say romantic comedy, but she gets like, she's an anchorman. She's in a movie called a lot like love, which is with Ashton Kutcher and Amanda Pete, the holiday, the holiday. She, I think she's in one scene and she's, or two maybe. And she's so good in it. Um, Step Brothers, How Do You Know? She was also in a TV show called Crossing Jordan for six years. Uh, I didn't watch that movie or show, but she was in that. And and then in that time, she only did one really drama, and it was Revolutionary Road, which is uh, Kate, Hud- um, Kate Hudson, sorry, Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a good drama. Um, so this, and then, so there she's like, we have, we get little bits of her, right? We got little couple scenes here and there whatever then we hit 2012 where this is what I'm going to call her like classic movie well for us we love these movies but she's in 2012 she's in Wonderlust which is the Jennifer Aniston Paul Rudd they go and they're living in a hippie commune and she's so funny in that and then we get 2013 which is where I think she has the best lines is where the Millers mm-hmm. where she plays um she plays the wife of Nick Offerman and they they also are in an RV and then they become like friends with the Jason Sudeikis and Jennifer Aniston characters and she's just got she's she just has the best lines like Meg and I always ref, are always saying them right like yeah, tampon uh, yeah tampon I got my tampon yeah it's her like pronunciation of stuff yeah it's really funny in that one yeah and then she's like oh that's where I found out I had a shallow vagina like she just has these these lines is that the she, hot dog down the hallway um is that what she says Eh, maybe not it could have been from another movie but even maybe just the yeah the awkwardness of the couple and then there's like talks of three ways Mm -hmm. and it is super uncomfortable so uncomfortable but they just like her and nick offerman together did such a good job of uncomfortable yeah like they really know how to like play off of each other um, so she had some great TV roles. Uh, she was in Parks and Rec. She was only in 10 episodes and it was like pretty spotty. Like it wasn't like a, you know, one season she was there the whole time. Her character is, is she's so, um, I don't even know. It's like not mean, but she's just, um, like she shows up at their house wearing a poncho because she's like, it's just like really sticky here. Like she's just like, a, you know, she doesn't have kids. She doesn't have commitments, whatnot. Right. 
But the best show that she was in, and it only ran for 11 episodes, and I highly, highly recommend anybody going and trying to find this show. I feel like I remember this because you and Meg really liked it. And we rewatched it a hundred times. Happy-ish? Yes. It is so good, and it's quirky, and it's weird, and it's real and it's like yeah they deal with like real like issues but i don't know i i would not even be able to do it justice like it's just that type of show you have to see like they play parents and they have a kid but they're i don't know they're just they talk realistic more like as opposed to like our kid's the best kid and stuff and she's got some great lines like it's a it's a comedy but it also is definitely a drama and it's got yeah it's really weird anyways i highly recommend it only made it one season but it's too bad because it was excellent one of those cult following shows oh i wish more people had seen it uh so then she was in transparent for 25 episodes and then she did a show called miss fletcher where she played um a newly divorced woman whose son has going off to like college and she's kind of trying to come into her own. It's very sexualized. So if you're not into that, but she's just trying to figure out like who, who am I now? And I mean, she's just incredible in it. She's just, she's so good. Um, and then in 2016, she did Captain Fantastic, The Do-Over, and one of my favorites, Bad Moms. The Do-Over. Yeah, I think that was with um, Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, then she does Bad Moms and obviously Bad Moms Christmas or whatever. But Bad Moms, she's just hilarious because she just is um, she's not a good mom. And she, um, is she a bad mom? She's a bad mom. But the other two are like they kind of try to be a bad mom. Like they're like, let's be bad moms. But she was kind of already there. Like she was like, I don't know. I don't feed my kid. And yeah. And they're like, doesn't he play baseball? Yeah, I don't go to that. It's too long. Like she's just a really. Yeah, she's a really, really funny funny character um and then we have uh she did a lot of voice work she's done like hotel transylvania bob's burgers spider-verse like she's very she definitely has a great voice for oh yeah she's uh like the doc ock she's dr octopus in that oh in in um, spider-verse spider-verse so yeah. she's like the main villain yeah i forgot that was her voice but she does have a very it's unique a great, voice when you hear great it voice I'm so obsessed with her. Um, and then uh, recently, which we've talked about, was WandaVision. She played Agnes and she ended up winning an MTV Movie Award. It's the only award she's ever won. And actually, sorry, I did think she won something else maybe. But it was, yeah. it's um, So she won for Best Fight and Best Villain. And I feel like now she's starting to get a bit more of the accolades and more recognition. For yeah, being in a Marvel project is... It's a good way to it's boost your boost your popularity. Yeah. And I like her because she's super private. Like you don't really know a lot about her. I know she is married. She's been married for a long time from uh, I think he's also an actor producer. Uh, They have a couple kids, but she keeps that pretty. She's very private. Like I was even going through and reading like old interviews with her and she just she just doesn't divulge a lot. Like she really keeps that private. And I think that makes your performance is even more believable because you don't have any background knowledge on them. So I would think like you would want this kind of career where you're working constantly, but you're not being hounded, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, she did. So Palm 2009 Palm Springs International Film Festival, uh, a part of Revolutionary Road. Mm-hmm. It was just the ensemble cast. So it wasn't specifically okay, her. Right. And then um, I guess for her life's work, in 2018 at the san diego international film festival she won the fairbanks award oh okay great and then yeah then the two wandavision awards yeah yeah so she has a new show coming up in um it's supposed to come out this year and it's called the shrink next door and it's got you should look it up and then tell me the cast is unbelievable shrink next door yeah the shrink next door and it's supposed to be coming out this year but it doesn't say exactly when quite yet because i guess it's we're still just trying to get things roll in here uh dark comedy okay uh this is it only has six people so far but it's will ferrell paul rudd casey wilson katherine hahn uh saria rao i don't know if you remember i'll show you a picture um oh yeah yeah uh she was in they did a show where it was like just like she was the star uh i feel bad maybe no tomorrow there's a few things and she was a part of the 
to all the boys I love right. franchise. Yes. And then Corin Womack, who I, there's no picture and I don't recognize yeah. the name. That's a pretty great cast, though, of, you know, and dark comedy. I feel like that's kind of upper genre. Yeah. Uh, November 12th, 2021. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't think it, there was a date. So November 12th. So, I mean, something to look forward to that's coming up. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan. She's... She's definitely one I really enjoy anytime she's on the screen. And I think she's, yeah, super underrated, like I said. But I just think she's just incredible. So, yeah. Um, my Eye of Deep Dive is another underrated actor. Uh, it's someone we talked about with one of our recent episodes. Might even have been, I think it was two weeks. Maybe two weeks. I think or, it was two weeks ago yeah. now. Uh, mine's Ethan Hawke. And I wanted to write it down, which I usually do. But there are just so many credits yeah. that I, I couldn't write it all down. So I wanted to first start with his stage work because he has a very uh, rich history in the theater. Okay. So in 1991, he played young Casanova mm. in Casanova. Yeah. Uh, 92 to 93, he was in The Seagull, which uh, he played Constantine Treplev. Okay. Uh, 93... Uh, Sophistry, where he played Xavier X. Reynolds. Uh, 99, he was in Camino Real or Real, not too sure. Uh, 2001, uh, the late Henry Moss. He played Ray Moss. Uh, he's in Henry the Fourth. played Henry. Mm. Uh, Henry Percy. Uh, Hurley Burley in 2005. Oh, wait, did I not mention? Uh, Henry the Fourth was 03 to 04, and uh, the late Henry Moss was 01. Uh, 2006, 2007, The Cost of Utopia. Again, these aren't things we really know, but yeah. I just think uh, 2007, The Things We Want, it's just, it shows the amount of work he does. Yes. Uh, 2009, The Cherry Orchard, The Winter's Tale. That's all one title, I think. Uh, 2010, A Lie of the Mind. He was the director. 2011, Blood from a Stone. 2012 in Ivanov, he played Nikolai Ivanov. Uh, 2013 in Clive, he played Clive, and he was also the director. Uh, 2013-14, he played Macbeth mm. in Macbeth. Right. <laughs> and then 2019, he was in True West as Lee. So right. those are just his theater. S just stage, yeah. So as I was looking through this, I usually have categories, and I like doing it by year, but I found with Ethan Hawke, it was very um a lot of credits with pops is what i called them okay just kind of bursts of not necessarily even big roles but i guess maybe more popular movies yeah yeah uh so his first two credits 1985 explorers and 1988's the lion den um not great ratings on imdb but the second one was also 25 minutes so right, short film right. 1989, he played Todd Anderson in Dead Poet Society. Mm -hmm. So, again, there's that pop. Yes. Uh, also in 89, he was in Dad. No, don't know that one. <laughs> 1991, he was in White Fang. Oh, I think that's about a wolf, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Uh, he's also in Mystery Date. Mm, didn't know that one. Uh, 92, A Midnight Clear, Waterland, Rich in Love. Mm. Uh, 93, he was in Alive which okay. is that really yeah. heartbreaking story. Yeah. Uh, 94, he was in Floundering, Reality Bites. Reality uh, Bites is where he comes on the scene for me mostly because that's a great freaking movie, man. And then he's also in White Fang 2 in an uncredited role. Uh, he was in Qu Quiz Show, mm -hmm. uncredited role. And then he was in uh, a three-minute uh, Juliana Hatfield I guess it says Juliana Hatfield three. So I imagine that's just made it as a three minute movie. Uh, spin the bottle where he was credited as spin the bottle player. <laughs> that's awesome. So you're still kind of in the infancy, but then 1995 hits you get before sunrise search mm -hmm. and destroy 97 Gattaca 98 great expectations and the Newton boys. Okay. Really? Yeah. We're really on the scene now. Uh, and also the velocity of Gary. Okay. Um, it had XXX in the top thing, so I didn't click on it. Just mm -hmm. didn't really want to see what was going on there. Right. Uh, 99, he was in Joe the King. Mm -hmm. That's about a, a gorilla, isn't it? 
Uh, oh, oh, maybe the, not. No. The picture doesn't really look that way. Okay. It's just a uh, kid with a house on his head. Oh. Uh, he's also in Snow Falling on Cedar. So the thing I found interesting is it's not many big name movies that he's a part of. But at this point, he's just kind of accumulating these roles. Yeah. Yeah. I think he likes more serious too, right? Yeah. 2000, he was in uh, the modern adaptation of Hamlet in, well, I guess, modern day 2000 New York. So kind of in the same way that they did the Romeo and Juliet in LA with guns. Right. So we did Hamlet <laughs> in New York. Okay. Uh, 2001, uh, Waking Life, Tape. Chelsea Walls, The Jimmy Show, and of course, Training Day. Mm-hmm. I would say to me, Training Day was the what I would remember him from he the would most. Be, that would be your signature for him. Yeah. Yeah, mine would be Reality Bites, but yeah. Uh, he's in one episode of Alias. Yes, I as, actually remember him because I just rewatched it a few months ago. James Lennox. Yeah. Uh, 2004, Taking Lives and Before Sunset, so the middle of that trilogy, the Before trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2005, uh, uncredited in one last thing. He's also in Assault on Precinct 13, which again portrays him as a cop, Sergeant Jake Roenick. Uh, also 2005, Lord of War with Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. 2006, Fast Food Nation, which made me, I, I thought it was a documentary. It, it's not. Uh, also 2006, he was in The Hottest State. The one, the other thing, because I looked it up on IMDb, not many great ratings for these movies. Right, right. He tends to pick kind of more, I don't know, out there movies, right? Not your typical blockbuster no. movies. Um, he was in Robot Chicken for an episode, which I thought was fascinating because <laughs> of how serious his roles are. And then he's in Robot Chicken. Yeah. Uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, 2007 uh 2008 new york i love you what doesn't kill you uh 2009 i think he just he really liked new york yeah uh he did daybreakers i don't think that was in new york but he was also in staten island and brooklyn's finest Mm -hmm, that's a good movie so a lot of new york there Mm -hmm. uh 2011 is i feel like this is where it's funny to say he takes another turn but he's in a tv miniseries moby dick for only two episodes. Mm, never stop. Uh, he was also in The Woman in the Fifth. Nope. Uh, 2012, he had an uncredited role in the director's cut of Total Recall, the remake with Colin Farrell and Jessica Biel. Oh, okay. Uh, he was also then in Sinister. Mm, scary. Very scary. Uh, also 2012, he was a uh, voice in uh, Mia Maxima Culpa, Silence in the House of God. Okay. 2013... Uh, to me, this 2013 is probably his most popular year is what I would call it. Okay. Uh, he's in Getaway, uh, Before Midnight, the final part of the trilogy, the Before trilogy, and The Purge. Yeah. Which I watched the first Purge, and it was actually really good. I, I did enjoy it. It was a little jump scary at times, but I thought he was really good. It's a good concept for one movie. Yeah, and then they've made like TV shows and yeah, multiple movies. Just, yeah, first, they, first Purge, which actually I think the first Purge would be interesting, but they just they really they jumped around with it a lot because by the time you get to this Purge movie, it's been going on for long enough that people are prepared for it. They know, yeah, you're not you're not giving them anything new information, right? Yeah. Uh, 2014, he's in Good Kill, Cymbeline, uh, Predestination, and the movie had been working on for. 14 years so incredible boyhood boyhood we're also i forgot in that movie that they don't really have names it's just he's dad Mm -hmm. like they don't need such a it's such a i don't know that movie just like blew me away if just the concept in that that we didn't know it was even happening no and that like each year they would just film for like a couple weeks and i mean it just was brilliant right The, the commitment i think to do a movie like this is something that is very what I discovered in Ethan Hawke's wheelhouse. For sure. And then you're thinking, like, what if they're not acting anymore? What if something happened to them? What if, like, there's so many what ifs with having a big project like that. Like, it was such a huge undertaking, but it was so worth it. And the music is just incredible because they go with the time, too, right? Mm-hmm. 2015 is in 10,000 uh, Saints. Uh, Sinister, Sinister 2, but only uh, credit only. It's in Maggie's Plan, Born to be Blue, 
regression exit strategy is so pretty a pretty busy year on his part yeah so and that's that's the part i find interesting is he does all of these movies and there's not many there's not many years off i think there's i was looking back i think there's only one little break and it's between daybreakers and the moby dick series which Mm -hmm. is two years right right not even 2009 to 2011 so 2010 is the only thing that he's not credited for yeah while he's still doing other stuff i wonder who's just kind of that's when he had kids and stuff you never know right and just kind of like hunker down um actually i should look at um i said 2010 right oh he was uh that's why he was the that's when he was directing oh okay. a lie of the mind right right uh going back so 2016 was one that um so he did in a valley of violence invasion which is he was the voice of the cosmos mm-hmm. uh Madi, Maudi, Madi, yeah, Madi, uh, the Magnificent Seven, and a movie I forgot about and forgot how good he was in it was the Phenom. Oh, okay. Which is a movie uh, he plays the dad. I think it's like Hopper Senior and Hopper Gibson, something like that. And he plays kind of, I don't want to say. I'm pretty sure he was an abusive dad. I, oh, okay. It might not be exactly that, but this is like his son is like. A really talented pitcher and he's going through a hard time mentally and his dad is just very and ethan hawks's dad and he's very unrelenting mm. and he's more of like the old school rub some dirt on it kind of deal right, right so he really pushes him to the break brink and also ethan hawk i feel like always played kind of the safe good guy kind of characters yes i mean obviously there's like Macbeth and hamlet and training stories day. like that yeah training day where people argue who the villain is yeah it's an interesting that's probably on our list yeah, I wonder if it's one I of the. If it is. Um, so the phenom, yeah, he plays Hopper Senior. I just I forgot about that movie. And then I looked at, it, I'm like, oh yeah, because it was a sports movie. I'm like, I'm sure I've seen this. And yeah. <laughs> it just it was one of those I forgot how good he was in that. Right. Because yeah. he's kind of he becomes the star of the show. Uh, 2017, he was in Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, which uh, I'm not going to be mean, but it just wasn't wasn't, wasn't wasn't it it wasn't there yeah um also 2017 24 hours to live and first reformed which kind of began this renaissance of i feel like we're heading towards leo Di- uh leo dicaprio territory with ethan hawk that right he's gonna get an oscar within the next few years because of all the amazing work he's done yes yeah and it started to me it started with first reformed i think he's always been amazing but i think this is the one when he lost people were disappointed mm-hmm uh 2018 juliet naked blaze uh he was in three episodes of a show called sandra i don't know that one uh stockholm let's dance uh he was only in one oh it's a 12 minute so he's in one segment of that Mm -hmm. uh 2019 he was in the kid adopt a highway the truth uh he was a part of uh, one episode of the purge tv series Hmm. uh I guess renewing his role. Right. And it brings us to 2012 or 2012, 2020, where in the movie Tesla, he plays Nikola Tesla. Right. So a lot of these movies are named after the character that he plays. Right. He likes that. He likes like taking on that role. Uh, 2020 also Cutthroat City and The Good Lord Bird, which is the miniseries that. Um, now that I'm trying to think, I can't remember if he was nominated or won for that, but that was his most recent work. Oh, okay. Uh, so overall, it's not superstar, amazing roles, but he just, he's someone that clearly loves to work mm-hmm. and doesn't care about necessarily the popularity of the project. He cares about what it does for him. Right. Like he's a, he's one of those actors, like, I don't care if it's like a blockbuster, I want to act I want to take roles on and, and his, so his motivation is more intrinsically like he cares more about for him, not, he's not worried. I don't think he's worried about awards and stuff like that. Right. No, but we are going to talk about awards because, <laughs> uh, in the independent spirit awards, he won best male lead for first reformed, uh, the critics choice awards. Um, they won the, uh, Louis the 12th uh award for just the before trilogy mm-hmm. um and those are his wins in terms of oscars i thought this was interesting how many oscars do you think he's been nominated for mm. hasn't won but how okay. many do you think he's been nominated say three uh four okay so oh, i guess 
he he did start writing them. So best adapted screenplay before sunset and before midnight. Yeah, those are. I was trying to think if there was four movies. I was right. trying to think if there's another one in there, but uh, or I guess another two. Right. Um, never been nominated as the best lead actor. Oh, only supporting. So, so Training Day, it has to be there. Training Day and Boyhood. Boyhood, yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, those are. Yeah, to be nominated four times, and I bet you if you ask people, like, what movies do you know Ethan Hawke in, they'd be like, I don't know. Like, I feel like he's around, but it would be hard to, like, narrow it down, right? Like, I would definitely say Reality Bites, Training Day, right? Like, there would be definitely some that you would automatically think about. But then when you're going through that IMDb, like, he has got, a like, a wide range of, um, you know, theater and acting and so taking on directing and writing mm. like he is a very like even when you look him up on imdb the first thing that comes up is actor training day right is is his most popular role right yeah um there were as i was looking up his filmography he has uh eight movies uh coming up in the process uh the guilty which mm-hmm. is coming out in 2021 i thought you would find it interesting it is rated r um, a demoted police officer assigned to a called dispatch desk. Uh, oh, assigned to a called dispatch desk is conflicted when he receives an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman. Oh, uh, so it's Riley Keough. Oh God, I love her. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Paul Dano, Peter Skarsgård. Um, Bill, love Peter Bi- Skarsgård too. Bill Burr for some reason. Um, but those, I just thought. I, I imagine it's probably not. I, I don't imagine Ethan Hawke is the lead. I, it's probably Jake Gyllenhaal, but mm-hmm. it's still Ethan Hawke being a part of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that's this year. Also this year is Zeros and Ones, which is an American soldier stationed in Rome with the Vatican blown up, embarks on a hero's journey to uncover and defend against an unknown enemy threatening the world. Mm. So definitely a little out there for yeah, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, 2022, there's uh, The Northman okay. uh, from acclaimed director Robert Eggers. The Northman is an epic revenge thriller um, that explores how far a Viking prince will go to seek justice for his murdered father. Mm. So that's um, uh, Alex Skarsgård, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicole Kidman, Ooh. Uh, Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe, uh, the mountain from game of thrones is in it yeah that's some heavy hitters i love that they're doing this now because i feel like movies used to be you'd have like two stars kind of thing and now i feel like it's much more collaborative where you're getting like huge casts like i know he's in knives out too that's coming right you're about to say that one uh that wasn't next but uh the next one was the black phone an update adaptation of a short story by new york times bestseller joe hill not much information about it yeah but yeah a part of knives out too which is another stacked cast that I know Kate Hudson's in it because I read about that. I still haven't seen the first one. I can't believe it. It's so good. I told my girlfriend about it. Now I'm waiting to watch it. Not waiting like she's holding me back, but we just haven't gotten around to it. Like you're going to watch it together. Yeah. Nice. Probably when we get back because it's like a it's like a mystery, isn't it? Like it's like who's the killer kind of deal. Yes. Yeah, it is. And But it's not like scary. Like it's not like no. a thriller. It's more. I don't know. It's really well done, though. Like it's kind of comedy but not yeah i don't know it's yeah it's a good one uh also he's going to be part of moon knight tv series for marvel okay which is mark specter a former cia agent uh or mark specter is a former cia agent whose life is saved by the moon god uh konchu konchu and currently it's uh oscar isaac who's playing oh, love oscar mark isaac. specter yeah uh may callum away Calumny, Calumny, okay, and Ethan Hawke. Nice. Uh, Knives Out too. Uh, in production, there's Tonight at Noon, where it's uh, it's a longer description, but uh, uh Chiwetel Ejiofor, mm-hmm. uh, Laura Ambrose, Connie Nelson. Uh, that's kind of it for like the big names that at least I recognized. Yeah, yeah. And then also in development, still there's Satan is real and revolver which there's there's no information about that just 
in development. Nice. So he's got some things to look forward to, too. I like when we have things to look forward to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of things to look forward to, let's pick our movies for next episode. Jack was so organized, you guys. He brought them with them. So exciting. I didn't bring all of them, but I did take a picture so we wouldn't Ready? be like, oh, what is it? What is it? I have number 92. Number 92. Uh, oh, it's uh, Logan. Oh, okay. Um, it might oh, be. Is, is that um, um, what's his face? The Australian guy. Yep, Australian. This is a fun <laughs> game. Australian guy. Hugh Jackman. Yes. Yes. So it's a part of the Wolverine, X Men kind of world. Okay. Um, that one's gonna be hard because it's kind of uh, kind of reveals a lot. Mm. So. Okay. Well. In a, it's in a plastic all, cup. Yeah, now you're making it all crunched together. Okay, I'm picking number 85, which looking back at the picture. Okay. Oh no, is this going to hurt my heart? Uh, it's not going to hurt your heart, but I think it's something that we finally have talked shit about this movie for so oh long no. that we have Don't to watch it. it. Don't say it, Titanic. I'm going to We're going to watch 1997 James Cameron classic starring leonardo dicaprio and kate winslet titanic oh my god i'm gonna cry okay <laughs> at least we get celine and you know what we have to watch it together yeah that'd be even more fun because we well, we really made fun of this movie and now we have to watch it yeah well that's what happens right yeah. and, and we'll talk about it and we'll figure we'll figure out positive things yes there you go speaking of titanic which made me think of kate winslet um is um she's in a show called dad's back um oh. mayor of east town which if you've not i told you about that oh, well i know but we did you watch it no oh my god it's so incredible oh now you watched it and i said to you watch it and you're like oh i have so many shows to watch i know we do have so many shows to watch but we started watching it and it's really freaking good like she's so the only thing i will say is her accent's a little funny like they all are i'm not sure where it's supposed to it's, take place but it's, isn't it philly i thought it was philly i don't know it's like their o's and stuff are funny but anyway she it's so good there's so many layers and there's so many fascinating stories so oh and it's like a whodunit yeah definitely but there's like boy because just so much so much is happening so it's really good well so, i'll have to watch well, we it we like kate Kate Winslet, so that's good, and we yeah. love Leo. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about the time traveler theory. <laughs> yes. All right. Sounds uh, good. Case okay, got anything else? I got nothing else. All right, and besides that, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>